Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mikey Aaronworth. Signing on to the Sign Off, a Frameworth podcast for yet another week. It's the podcast where we talk about all the stories you didn't know you wished you knew about the world of sports and sports marketing. I'm joined in studio by a very special guest. You'll notice once again, if you're watching over on YouTube, uh, that Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth Sports Marketing, common co-host of the Sign Off podcast, is not with us. He's still enjoying his time over in Florida. He managed to escape the winter wonderland, as some of us would call it, over here in Toronto. Uh, But before we get into it and I introduce my guest, I do want to give, as we always do, a shout out to our loyal listeners who give us the reviews and ratings that keep us at the top of the iTunes charts. This one coming in from Apple Podcasts, Waterford.Jeremy, Waterford.Jeremy. Very interesting to hear what goes on behind the scenes. You get a very different perspective relative to just watching your favorite player or team recommended for any sports enthusiast or casual viewer. We welcome the sports enthusiast and the casual viewers alike. So thank you so much, Jeremy Warford. I'm assuming that's last name, first name. Uh, reach out to us, sign off pod at framework.com, Jeremy. If that was your review, we're going to get your address and send you out a signed Morgan Riley 8x10 photo. You got 30 days from the drop of this episode, so make sure you're listening. Uh, but without further ado, enough patting on the back. I'm so excited to get to our guest here. On the sign-off today is a longtime friend of Frameworth's as well as one of the most charismatic characters you'd ever want to meet. He had a storied career playing hockey in Germany, earning himself a retired number and the nickname Mr. Ice Hockey. I'll ask him if I'm pronouncing that correct, but now spends his time focusing on many charitable causes. He's the co-founder and global director of Stop Concussions and a co-chairman for Shoot for a Cure. We're joined by the hockey player's hockey player and host of the podcast, Gooch Live, Kerry Goulet. Wow. Where do I send the check? Unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Obviously, Brian and I go way back. And of course, with you, Mickey, Mikey, sorry. Um, it's unbelievable what I've seen here today and what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. Spreading the word of a great hockey uh, country. And of course, most importantly, a game that we all love and, yeah. and it's ingrained in us. And it's always been like that for me. So thank you for having me. Well, one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you on is, you know, we do spend a fair amount of time talking about hockey in general and, and we can touch on, you know, what the Maple Leafs are doing and how they've been doing. But what we like mm-hmm. to focus on more is the industry around sports. And that's something that I think you are kind of a beacon for. I mean, you have your career and your playing days and, and, and your story career, especially over in Germany. Um, but but after that, you've started to create this entire industry. And it seems like you're constantly doubling down on your efforts to improve upon uh, the hockey world in as many ways as you can. And we're going to get to a lot of those individual efforts, individual group efforts that you've that you've right. put forward. Um, but before we do that, I do want to give you a bit of an introduction because you do have quite an interesting backstory as well as it pertains to hockey. Uh, so I want to talk about you kind of personally and your experiences playing, growing up in, and playing in Winnipeg. Um, uh, and and then we'll get into some of the the work that you've done uh, post, post your playing career. Uh, before we do that, I mentioned your name, Kerry Goulet. Yeah. It's not your nickname, though. Your nickname is Gooch, and you're laughing, and it is a nickname that you've wholeheartedly embraced. As I mentioned, Gooch Live is the name of your podcast. Where does that nickname come from? Well, it's actually, uh, when I was 14, somebody called me Hungarian Goulash in the corner in a (laughs) hockey game and came back to the bench, and one of the kids heard it and said, that's a crazy name. It's a food group. And so uh, when we were in the dressing room, everybody's joking around. Everybody in hockey, it's it's uh, uh, Goulet or, you know, always add yep. a Y to it. And in, in the dressing room, one of the young guys said, hey, Gooch, 
just out of the blue. And then it just took off. And I'm actually better known in Germany by my number. 29. Gooch than I am by Kerry Gooch. Is it, is it in, in Germany? Is it your number? Would they say it in German? What would, what would that be? Number 29? Uh, Neun Swanzig. And be, your German's very good. So. There we go. And I'll tell you what, I, I want to just say right off the bat, listening to you, I've been on a lot of, you're very good. Oh, thank very you very smooth. much. I love it. Thank you very much. Well, listen, I grew up uh, in this industry and I was uh, sort of, um, uh, I grew up among people like you who have a penchant for speaking. And I mentioned in the, in the introduction, your charisma, and that's something that's always, I've always been taken by it. Uh, You and I have kind of a past relationship as well, which we'll get into. Uh, I do, before we move past Gooch and Gooch live, I want to talk about your podcast a little bit, which you do alongside Paul Rosen, similar kind of to what we do. I mean, you do spend time talking about sports and and the day to day and and some of the rankings and the snubs of, of the all-star game, et cetera, et cetera. But you also focus on some other things like travel, health, and lifestyle, that sort of thing. How much of you starting this podcast and continuing it was focused on hockey as a as a lifestyle as opposed to just a sport that we watch? Well, I think the best way of describing what I do and what I've done is basically, uh, I you know I got to grade twelve by passing grade six twice, so I wasn't a scholar <laughs> by any means, and okay. I had an opportunity to go over to Germany. Uh, had a great uh, junior career, never made it to the NHL, of course, and had an opportunity uh, through the ability of uh, given the gift of gab from my mother. Uh-huh. I just uh, when I got over to Germany, I just embraced it. Here I am, you know, a kid from Winnipeg, uh, uh, McDonald eating Molson uh, Molson Canadian beer drink. Uh, going into a country where it's all wine and, sure. and fine food. So uh, I basically took it upon myself. And it's actually Paul Stewart that gave me this, this context. Uh, my skates are my passport to the world. I love that. Who would have ever thought that a young guy from Winnipeg who just dreamed of playing in the National Hockey League got snubbed by uh, John Ferguson Sr. And I'll tell that story first because I think that really kind of shows you where where I got the opportunity to do what I do. Um, uh, As through going through my junior career, uh, I I played for uh, the St. Boniface Saints and I was a very good hockey player in those days along with a guy named Terry Tatum and we were the tandem and we were tearing the leagues up and the coaches would say, hey, I was a good skater and I was pretty offensive and pretty creative. So they got Terry and I, we played on the same line and we would pick the puck up behind the net, skate through everybody's score. Sure. Nobody said, hey, listen, you know what? You got other teammates. Hey, we need a goal. Go and do it. Right. And so we weren't really taught the the, me- the message of teammates. So he and I would outduel each other doing this. And, and at the end of the day, we started to realize that we can't do it alone. Sure. So we started to play a little bit more of a team game. And uh, we got lucky. And on that team, there were a bunch of players that were touted for the NHL. And I was one of them where people were talking about, God, he's a great skater. A uh, little bit uh, lacking in size and more so toughness. Sure. Uh, And that came back to haunt me actually. So as I went through my junior career, I went out to uh, the Winnipeg Junior Jets owned by uh, Jerry Brisson. He had decided to sell the team to the Calgary Wranglers. And uh, it was a Winnipeg Clubs and the Winnipeg Junior Jets. And when it was uh, sold, they moved by bus. So we jumped on a bus in Winnipeg. They packed up the office, put the office on the bus, and we went to uh, from Winnipeg to Brandon, Manitoba, up to Flin Flon, Manitoba. And then we did the trip over to Calgary. So we're basically a moving van and a hockey team at the same time. Almost very similar to the Slapshot movie. Right. So here we are on the bus. I'm 17 years old. I'm with a bunch of guys never left home before. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. So we got into Brandon. We were playing the Wheat Kings. And uh, Jerry Brisson had a son who was the same position I was. Okay. He was a talented player, but... We, 
we all know that politics played a little bit of sure. a, a, of a, a, a I role. Know no, I know nothing about nepotism, so yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the issue is, is that I'm not blaming that. For yeah, 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 yeah. It certainly didn't help because I didn't understand it all. And my parents weren't those people that pushed. They just said, I fell in love, my skates, I, I was on the ice constantly, yeah. every day, outdoor, four o'clock in the morning, six o'clock. I'd miss school. Uh, you know, I'd be, they'd be coming from the uh, Windsor Park Collegiate to knock on the door at my, hey, where's your son? And always oh, on the Wanaqua Community Club. Because my school was right across the street from where I lived, but okay. I had to cross six outdoor rinks. And so we would stop. The distractions. Play. Yeah. Very, it's like, very it's like the, uh, the gambling addict who has to live in Las Vegas and work at a, at a bar in, in a casino somewhere. It's the a good only, luck passing the tables. Yeah, yeah. The only difference is you don't freeze your toes. Um, <laughs> and so here I was, you know, just falling in love with this game. I just absolutely uh, adored everything about the game. And so as I was going through all this uh, and in Calgary Wranglers, we were on this bus trip and we got to Brandon, Manitoba, and we were playing the Wheat Kings, and there, you know, the, the days of Derlego, Prop, Allison, right. Allison. These are the best of the best. Yeah, Billy Derlego, of course, uh, and Brian Prop. And uh, I was sitting on the bench, uh, not playing. First period goes by, third, second period goes by, not playing. Big, huge bench brawl. Everybody's thrown out of the game, and I got to play. We're down three-one. I score two goals. We tie it three-three, and it was just an exhibition game. Okay. So here I am thinking, wow, this is fat. This is your chance to yeah. shine. You, you so did now, it. Now we drive the bus up to Flin Flon, Manitoba. It's probably a 10-hour bus ride. Get in there. And uh, uh, same kind of scenario. First period, I don't see, I don't even get, you know, I don't even think, I didn't even get to fill up the water bottles. I was so far away from the <laughs> bench. It was ridiculous. And so, again, same thing. And back in those days, big, huge brawls. Some guys are thrown out. Uh, Jerry says, hey, Gooch, you're up. Well, carry at the time. Yeah, sure. uh, Goulet, you're up. And I got out there and I'm and dancing around trying to be a professional. And somebody slashes me from behind and I just turn around, automatically slash him back. And all I recall is the jersey being, uh, torn, you know, kind of grabbed around my neck and popped me right in oh. the top of the forehead into the chicken wire and flint flint. And down I went. On oh. And I was kind of passed out, knocked out. And uh, I woke up actually realizing I was on a bus driving to the next game. Uh, I obviously other things that happened. I, I'm sure. sure I woke up and remind, but I was just in a deep fog and I said to one, what happened? And the guy said, well, Gooch, you were dancing and, uh, Ray Newfeld slashed you and you sla and Ray was a big boy yeah. and he could duke it. Like he, he oh, was one of the toughest guys. So he's just, just sending a message to a rookie. You don't do that. Right. And I shouldn't have. So I learned that. And plus <clears throat> I was in the corner. Right. Which I wasn't known for. I didn't like the corners very much. I liked it when it was rounded, but when it got too tight, I was a little bit timid. No one, no one puts Gucci in the corner. Uh, speaking of dancing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So then that's how my career started off. I went, got to Calgary uh, and never played. I sat on the bench. It was Western Hockey League and he just didn't seem to play the young guys. Right. And his son was playing more than me. And he was, listen, we probably equal. I just thought I was younger. You know, let me grow. Give let me chance, be a, yeah. And he didn't give us a chance. So um, I got an offer to go to Billings, Montana. There was a, a trade in the makes uh, with a guy named Bobby Herzog and Terry Tatum. And there right. were a couple other guys. And for some reason, Brisson just didn't want to trade us. And so uh, four of us or five of us decided that's it. We're coming home. Oh, I kind of regret it. I think I should have held out. You never know what could have happened. I could have maybe got like 
lucky and maybe one of the sponsors could have seen, you know, my talent was, was more than, than not being tough and figure out how to, to make me, uh, you know, a better all around hockey player. I was a little bit undisciplined, uh, because I had the opportunity to watch Ulf Nielsen, Anders Hedberg and Bobby Hall play in the world hockey association. And they never had wings. There weren't left wing, right wing. They were all over the map. And I fell in love with that game. But back in my days in 1977, 78, my draft year, it was the broad street bullies. You're up and down the wings. If you're not Gretzky and you're not uh, you know a position. tough guy you stay in your position yeah. you're locked in it but when, I grabbed the puck when you when you say you you went home from there did you have something lined up I didn't Was, okay so I you just, you basically at that point were you thinking you might be hanging up the skates well I, di- I didn't know I, yeah. I just I was so disgruntled I was actually living in Calgary in my uh, uncle's house so everything was great I was living with Bobby Herzog he was a roommate with me so it wasn't anything about the living standard right and it was the old uh, corral I don't know if you're, you're way too young no. but you needed a ladder to jump over the board you didn't jump over the boards there because you'd probably break your ankle <laughs> uh and very tight benches you had two rows of benches and the atmosphere was a little bit off for me it was all flight fests yeah so the skill level at that particular time in 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 the exhibition games they really wanted you to show your stuff right, right. you had to show that you could play the game but you also had to be really tough yeah and i had fights I, you know i think i was 060 for 66 <laughs> and because so, you mentioned you mentioned earlier that that a lack quote unquote lack of toughness was part of your downfall. Is this kind of when you started to realize that it was being a detriment to your yeah. progression through through the league? Yeah, and and, and I'll get to that because yeah. you'll understand what is toughness because I had no clue because uh, I wasn't a gym guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Bodybuilder by enemies. So here I am now coming home. I get home. Obviously, at that age, I got a bunch of people saying, "Hey, listen, you know, come and play for us this junior team." And um, I had decided to go back and play Manitoba Major Junior, which is a tier two rather than uh, tier one, thinking, you know what, I'll be able to hone my skills a little bit more. I know I'm going to, you know, put up some serious numbers yep. there. I know the coach, he seems to be a very good good uh, uh, mentor for me. And and so I decided to do that. And I got really lucky. I played with a guy named Ray Savard and... and um, we just tore it up. Like yeah. we ripped the league up. We didn't win the uh, the championships that year, but we did. I won the scoring cha- championship. So I, I really got known throughout that. And there was a guy named Fran Huck who was a player that played for the Winnipeg Jets and also uh, played for uh, our International Hockey Canada, went and played in Europe uh, somewhat. He became an agent. And he saw me play at the in the Manitoba Major Junior. He said, listen, I, I think you got some skill here. Um, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'll represent you and I'll throw your name out a little bit. And so he actually went to the Winnipeg Jets and the Winnipeg Jets came out and watched me play. And they were impressed with my skating ability because yeah. that, that was my biggest asset. And the reason my skating ability was so good was my mother was a speed skater. Oh, really? And living in Winnipeg, she could have went to the Olympics, but they just didn't have any funding. There was just a very poor family coming out of the depression. So she never had the opportunity other than her talent. And it just wasn't enough back then. Um, so one day I was a very young kid, probably two or three years uh, old. She took me out to a park. It's called the St. Boniface, uh, sorry, St. Vitale uh, park. And it had an figure eight pond okay. that was frozen. And she'd get her skates on, you know, these long speed skates, bought me a set of little tube skates, and she would put a, t- uh, a, a scarf around her waist. And I can remember her skating and me fall, gliding around her at freezing temperatures, yeah. you know, you know, 
snot hanging everywhere and yeah unbelievable now can can we put that on pause for a bit so 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 your uh, winnipeg is coming to to see you play but i want to i want to contextualize a little bit here because you mentioned one of your big skills being skating uh, and yet you also have a very storied career in ball hockey as well. Yes. Ball hockey, are you in rollerblades at that or are you? No, that's both. I did both. You Inline did Inline hockey for, in Germany, uh, ball hockey became my second passion. I was probably better ball hockey player than a hockey player. Inducted the in the of Hall it. of Fame. Yeah, uh, yeah. In somebody's garage. So so when you're playing ball hockey, then your skating doesn't doesn't apply and yet you're still racking up the points in the yeah. hall of fame is yeah. there what what was it there that gave you the well, advantage from that that moment of skate i know i bounce around a little bit so i just i wanted to put it in context that's how i became a good skater yeah and so as i went through it every that was my big thing hey this kid could skate and so as i was going through my time uh trying to develop and not being tough i decided okay ball hockey and sure. lacrosse i only played a little bit of lacrosse and yeah. it was you know that i was gonna say a pretty tough sport yeah. yeah i realized that ball hockey was i, I loved it you know you couldn't glide right you had to run so the conditioning ball hockey helped me perfect my other parts of my game to go and play and have the the career i had in germany so i give well, it full and, marks and you and i i didn't realize this but five six years ago maybe more than that at this point uh you and i played ball hockey together yes, in did. the road hockey to conquer cancer yes. tournament uh, in toronto yeah. i didn't realize i was playing with a hall of famer oh, at the gosh. point in time i could tell once you started to take those shots yeah. but uh yeah no i i didn't realize how much you had done with ball hockey at the time just a little aside there yeah thank you yeah i represented uh manitoba it was called the grasshoppers yes uh art Wadnabi, who's no longer with us. Uh, it was the year of the grasshoppers when he started the team. Yeah. He was Asian. And, grasshoppers. Uh, that's how we became the Winnipeg grasshoppers. And oh, it's, amazing. It's a very famed team with uh, everybody that was on that team played hockey and junior and stuff. So we were really talented players, you know, stick handling and, and all that. And we just had to learn how to run while well, everybody can run. So we really became a team that, that went to 11 uh, Canadian championships. Uh, we won back in 1982. We won the uh, Canadian ball hockey championships and, it was just unbelievable what it did for me. And it, it gave me that opportunity to be, to grow. And, and, you know, I, I played football and basketball and soccer and I was no good at most of those, but I was basketball, baseball. I was pretty good at, so sure. I had to make a decision between those two things and ball hockey gave me that even more desire to play hockey. I so, love, I love that the story is here with Winnipeg coming to see you play with the, the jets coming to see you play. And, uh, and we kind of take this little, this little side, yeah. uh, uh, kind of like karate kid to see yeah, how yeah, you yeah. developed your skills and all that. Was there any wax on wax? Was there any painting of cars? Who knows? But how did that, how did that go with the team? So then the, the jets came out and, and, uh, Fran Huck was negotiating with, uh, John Ferguson senior. If you remember the days yep. where the, the Winnipeg jets were coming out of the world hockey association and going back into the NHL in 1978. And, um, but that was my draft year. Um, Fran had got me a tryout, with the Winnipeg Jets. And the letter that I've got on my wall is from John Ferguson Sr. And it says, uh, Kerry Goulet, if you do not get drafted into the NHL, we're very interested in inviting you out to camp, to our pre-rookie camp. And you still have that I letter? I still have the letter. It's uh, got the Winnipeg logo. That's great. And John Ferguson Sr.'s uh, logo. And if anybody remembers John Ferguson Sr., <laughs> uh, arguably one of the toughest men ever to play in the National right. Hockey League. So... I then get an opportunity to come out to the Winnipeg Arena, which was a phenomenal facility where the WHA Jets had played, and I'd watched so many games uh, there as a kid. Um, I got an opportunity to do a a two-day camp at the Winnipeg Arena, and it was a pre-rookie camp, so it's kind of a walk-on type trial. You know, they're bringing all these 
diamonds in the rough that didn't get noticed. Yep. And they brought them all together. And it was two days of a slugfest. Like I honestly, I, I think I was in five or six fights. Oh. I was, I was more the Zamboni than the Zamboni. <laughs> they were, you know, scraping me off the ice a few times. And <laughs> hey, I was honest. I, I couldn't fight. I wasn't, God, you know, I'd punch somebody and I'd you know, yeah. break a hand or, by the way, I may break their nose and see blood. Uh, and so, um, <laughs> lose, I, lose. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So then, uh, after the camp, which was absolutely incredible that John Ferguson senior called in everybody that he was going to let go. And I got to sit with Fran Huck, John Ferguson senior in the office in Winnipeg arena. And he looked at me and said, uh, kid, you are an incredible skater. I love what you can do. You're offensively good. And I said, well, I didn't get to show you because I was fighting. And he said, no, but uh, I just, we just don't feel you're tough enough. So here's what I think we should, wow. we'll do. We'll send you down to Sherbrooke, Quebec, and let's see if we can toughen you up. And uh, I was in tears, of course, leaving that room, knowing that my NHL dream may be over. Here's the, you know, the toughest guy in the NHL telling me, uh, you know, I'm not tough enough. And I went into, I wouldn't call it depression, but I didn't have a father. My father was not a hockey player. He, right. he worked for Simonton Yards and shift work. So sure. I didn't have a mentor at that time to go to and ask questions. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have agents. Fran was okay, but he didn't really, you know, we didn't know as much. Right. Right. So I that's went a, home see and that that's a great point. Like we've spoken to so many people on this podcast. I think I think of uh, of Badali who came on as well. And and so many times where he could have potentially not failed, but faltered a bit. He had someone else kind of pick him up and say, yep. This is what you need to do. And and you're saying that was somewhat absent in your in your playing career yeah, i didn't have that I, you know i had an unbelievable mom and dad yeah. they're the best uh, my personality and my charisma thank you for the compliment comes from my mom she was pee and vinegar little five foot two scottish woman my father's a frenchman so you know there was some uh feisty sure. uh, fights going sure. on and they just taught me how to you know help others you know if yeah. you got if you got a buck uh give 50 cents away because you know what that person may need it more than you so that's that's how i got into sure. all this philanthropy and at that time i was heartbroken I came home to my mom and dad and, you know, I was in tears and they both said, Hey, get, pick it up. You know what? It may not be hockey. You're going to be good at something. And yeah. so just continue on living your dream. Yep. And when you decide it's no longer yours. Uh, and so, um, you know, I continued on, uh, being, Probably for a month, I was down. And so I turned down the offer to go to Sherbrooke, Quebec, because uh, I'd already had the experience of going to the Western Hockey yeah. League, and it was a disaster. So I decided I'd stay at home and, and continued on doing that. So that was my great fame of, uh, you know, uh, getting to possibly the National Hockey League. A few years go by, I joined a league called the Senior League. Uh, it's called the Cash League. Okay. Uh, Central... Uh, uh, senior uh hockey league that that took old guys at 20 that I was going to no say longer, yeah yeah they were no longer uh looking at at the NHL we didn't have as many options you could go down the uh, uh IHL and you know they didn't have the East Coast League and all that sure. so I decided I was going to stay at home and 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 do some other things and play in that so I played for the Cash League and it bounced around from I was with the St. Boniface Mohawks had some pretty good success with it but never I was up there always in the scoring but never really amassed and then I got an opportunity to go to the St. James Flames and Danny Bonner who played for the LA Kings was the player coach and I got to play with Bobby Hall Jr. Oh, wow. And I was on a line with those two guys and I actually won the scoring race in that league on the St. James Flames um, with his son, uh, Bobby Hall's son, Bobby Hall Jr., who was an incredible player. Couldn't skate very well, but I'll <laughs> tell you what, he could fire the puck and I won the scoring title that year on the last game by a slap shot up off my butt from Bobby Hall uh, Jr. <laughs> and Bobby Hall Sr. was in the rink. 
at the time. So the biggest thing that could ever happen to me is Bobby Hall senior came down in the dressing room and had one of those Christian 1000s, the old black and white sticks. Yeah. Uh, you know, the big hook that oh, he yeah, used. Yeah, yeah. He came in and he signed my stick, but he signed it in pen. Oh, you, normally you had uh, we markers. know all about that yeah. at Framworth, yeah. And yeah. that 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 stick is at the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not inducted, but I gave it to the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, because it had Bobby Hall's, and you know that beautiful oh, yeah. signature. Yeah. And wow, what what a present I got! And that summer, uh, I got a bunch of offers, and uh, I was in the DJ business. I, I, it's a long story. The I, DJ. I business. will not bore you with all the details, but it's a pretty. That cool, is a podcast for another yes, time. I am curious. A lot of people didn't know it that. Uh, my buddy uh, had uh, was in the DJ business. Yeah. It was the Kiss Sets back in those yeah. days, and he was my best buddy. And uh, he had an opportunity to get involved in a bigger business, and I had a little bit of money, and you know my kind of flair and all that crap. And there was a bar in Winnipeg. It was named the Travel Lodge. It was okay. uh, in an area where it was, that sounds like a motel to me. Yes, I'm not it was, sure. but it had a, it had a bar. <laughs> sure. and it was an Upapa bar. It was a German, old traditional German bar with guys sitting at the table with their mugs, and it was really. Dumpy, uh, Mr. Like Ice Hockey's uh, first introduction to German culture. Yes, okay, uh, okay. Ironically, yeah. So we went into the see a guy named Colin Noble owned it, uh, and we said two young punks with a attaché case and put it down there. And Mr. Noble, we would like to propose to you us coming into your bar. Let's revamp it a little bit, and um, you, you could have the first uh, dance club in Winnipeg. And he kind of chuckled at us, and he, he loved our, our pee and vinegar, and he sure. looked at us, and he said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you one week. You're going to come in. You're going to set your stuff up. Don't get too fancy, because you. I don't want it affixed to the ceilings and that. So bring in disc, disc, disco balls sure, and all sure. that sort of stuff. And uh, I'll give you a week. You're standing on the bar holding a disco ball for everyone spinning. Oh, well, no. We actually <laughs> figured a way to how to attach it oh, okay, to, there the, you go. to the roof without uh, damaging his goods. And um, the first night, it was a Monday night, uh, jammed, lined up out the door. And for three, uh, two and a half years, it was called Fridays. And it was the first original dance club in Winnipeg. That's amazing. And, so yeah. so two years you're doing that. During that time, are you, are you playing, thinking you're playing hockey? I'm playing senior hockey. They basically played uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, games. We'd play in Thunder Bay. Right. Uh, we'd be playing all over the place. Like in Brandon had a team. Uh, EK Millionaires had a team. So I really got an opportunity to do all this stuff. So while I'm doing all this crazy disco stuff, I'm playing hockey on the weekends. It was unbelievable. It sounds like a great time to be alive. It was unbelievable. But someone at some point comes knocking on your door. Uh, maybe it's because they saw how well you can manage the German culture in your area. <laughs> but you get an opportunity to play in Germany. Yeah. What does that look like? How does, does someone just offer this out of nowhere? Was there any inkling in your mind there that you could be traveling internationally to play hockey at I this point? I had no Thoughts of it at all. Right. None. One of my good friends, one of my best friends at the time was Mark McKay out of Winnipeg. Really, really solid hockey player. Also didn't make it to the National Hockey League. He was already over in Germany. Okay. I knew about it, but I never thought about it. And um, it's a it's a funny story that at I had sold Fridays, still playing. Uh, and, you know, things happen for a reason. Yeah. So I had to be the DJ for the last night of us owning the, the system in uh, Fridays. And a guy named Dick Davidson uh, from Thunder Bay walked up to the booth and was just cut. He was on a, a hockey tournament for old guys, yeah. a beer, beer league yeah. uh, tournament. And he walks up to the booth and, hey, who? Who made this? I really want. <laughs> and I said, I, it, it's actually me. You? Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I own the company, blah, blah, blah. And he said, uh, listen, 
I own a, a place in Thunder Bay. And uh, would you think of maybe coming out there and taking a peek and see if you can help me out? And I said, Dick, sure. When Why are you not? leaving? Says uh, it was Friday, uh, Saturday night. He says, I'm leaving Monday morning. So here's my card. We didn't have pay. Uh, yeah. No, had, of course. Had to use a landline. Hands you a phone book with yeah. a circled phone number in it. Like what I called him uh, uh, Sunday night, organized everything. Monday morning, we go to the airport. He's got his own plane, uh, a Cessna, a prop plane. And okay. He, he's his pilot. He was his own pilot. And he had bought an old Woolworths in Thunder Bay and wanted to turn it into a nightclub. And it just so happened on that night when he came in, I was there. The last in, in night. The, the last night. Yeah. And so I spent a lot of time with him there developing this place. It was opened up as Club Soda and it was a number one bar for years. But the only reason I tell you that story, not only was it unbelievable. Of course. But the fact was I got to play for the famous Thunder Bay Twins and play for the Allen Cup in 1988. Played with a great guy named Mark Mark uh, Backard and and uh, Mel- Malcolm Sutherland and all these great guys. So did you end up moving to Thunder Bay? I moved to Thunder Bay. And I was, was the manager of the bar with a buddy named Bob Yogg. Yeah. And I was playing every sa- Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Was it important to Bay you? Twins. Was it important to you when you decided to move that there was some institution for your ability to play hockey? Oh, there? it was. That was. Integral. It was ultimate. It yeah. actually was the 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 real reason because they had already won three Allen Cups. Right. Allen Cup is a pretty prestigious yeah. Oh, yeah. trophy in those days. And uh, I got her, and, and I'm a, I'm an entertainer yeah. a little bit on the ice. Like I, and so they loved that aspect of sure. it. Plus I owned a bar, you know, why don't you? So they gave me an offer and I got to play with them and we won an Allen Cup in 1988. And that's how I got to Germany. It was, had nothing to do with the oop-pa-pa music right, right, back right, right, in Winnipeg. Right. I was actually- was Just a little teaser, yeah. We had just won the Allen Cup. We had the Allen Cup at the bar. Um, and that night we had- uh, Burton Cummings and McLean and McLean in the bar playing. No we had way. Trooper, Nazareth, uh, 5440, uh, uh, Glass Tiger, uh, wow. Lover Boy. All these bar bands came through Thunder Bay wow. on their way from Toronto, stopped in Thunder Bay, then to Winnipeg. So we always got them kind of midstream. And so... Little did they know they were they were playing for the future Mr. Ice oh, Hockey. Yeah. Come on. I'll give tell me a you break. that in a few seconds. That's kind of funny too. But so as this is all happening, I, I'm, I'm neither a business or a pro hockey player. I'm right. just an average dude, you know, just go on. And how old are you around my, this time? Uh, 22. 22. Okay. Uh, no, sorry. At that time, I was 27. Okay. Okay. So I meet a girl. Uh, so so how I, through that, I met a girl. Her name was Veronica Kastrikoff. And I thought she was my love of the life and I'm going to marry this girl and end up living in Thunder Bay and having kids. And because I love Thunder Bay. It was yeah. a great, great town. Um, and... Uh, we, we win the Allen Cup. We're back at the bar. Burton Cummings and I are drinking out of the cup with all the players. and every We're rock stars. Like, yeah. It's unbelievable. And also, I ran the bar, so I had to be... I, I, I learned very early in all of this. No drugs, no over-drinking. Sure. Because if you do, it ruins a lot of careers. And I watched a lot of guys... Both for bartenders and hockey players. And and, <laughs> and bar owners. Yeah. Right? You get yeah. in trouble, get hooked up with the wrong girl. Exactly. You, you do... You know, just... It's a, it's a bad scene. So I was lucky and blessed that that happened that I was able to control those two things and especially going over to Germany. Thank God sure. I didn't have any type of alcohol issues. So uh, I'm sitting in the, uh, the, the bar 
uh, the, the actual, my office in the morning, the next morning, a little bit hungover and the phone rings and a guy named Luke Nielsen's on the phone. And he said, hi, I'm Luke Nielsen. I'm from, uh, uh Holland. Uh, I'm an agent uh, for European hockey players. Uh, I'd really like to see if you'd be interested in flying over to, uh, to Fife, Scotland to play hockey. I think I have a team for you. I've watched you play this whole series. Uh, and I think you could be absolutely phenomenal in Europe. You're a great skater. You're an entertainer. Uh, it's made for you. It's a yeah. fourth division team. It's not, not going to pay you a lot of money, but what it's going to do is it's going to give you an opportunity to see Europe and maybe expand. Sure. But more importantly, um, you get the perks are going to be a little bit of money, but you get to play once a week on the practice court course in St. Andrews yeah. and, oh, once, wow. and once a month on the big course for free. Oh, okay. Pumped. Yeah. Gooch is pumped. <laughs> so I go home uh, after winning an Allen cup. This is Sunday night. You know, things are moving really quickly. I own the bar. So how do I, with my buddy, uh, Dick Davidson, I know that there'd be some huge decisions to do it. So the first person I go to is Veronica, my girlfriend at the time. And I said, Hey, uh, I've got an offer to go and play hockey in Europe. And again, I'm 27, I'm yeah. running a bar. She was a bartender with us. Uh, um, and she said, "I, it's done, you're, you're 27. You know, you got to think about us and raising a family. And and I said, but that's the point. I'm only 27. Yeah. We have an opportunity to go visit Europe. Yeah. It may only happen, I mean, we only stay six months, yeah. but we're going to be in Europe. And she hemmed and hawed. And uh, finally, a couple of days later, she said, uh, I only had three days to make the decision. Second day into it, you know, kind of very lukewarm with her. Um, she was an only, ch uh, she was a twin, sorry, and only had a mother and they were very close. So she knew she'd have to leave that environment right, to go right. and do this. And she basically said, Carrie, uh, I, I don't want to do it. I don't want you to do it. I'd like you to stay. Let's continue on doing to the bar. You got yeah. a great future. You can continue on playing for the Thunder Bay. You got everything here. Yeah. And I said, were you making money playing hockey? It wasn't at Thunder Bay? It, like not, not what you'd be making 500 bucks a week. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, and it just, you know, cash. Um, hopefully, uh, CRA's not. I was going to say, yeah, hey, the seven uh, years have passed. I think we're good on that front. Yeah. And I basically said to her, listen, you know what? This only comes around once. I'm going to be actually a technically a pro player for the first time. I'm actually going to be able to play in another country. Uh, I want to do it. And she said, listen, uh, you got a decision to make. I'm not going to go. So it's either you stay with us and we, you know, build this family or uh, you choose hockey. Wow. And uh, I sat there for a few minutes and I'm not good with ultimatums. And I said to her, Veronica, I love you dearly, but uh, pack my bags, put them in the trunk. I'm going. Wow. And it was basically that harsh. I left. Uh, it was sad. It was tough, but I left. And then um, she followed me later on and absolutely hated it. And she only stayed for a few months and went home. And I just loved it. I, I, oh, sorry. I missed out the most important part. <laughs> I turned it down. I apologize. I turned it down to go to Fife and I kicked myself in the butt because she didn't want to go. So right. I decided at that time to be with her. Okay. And then a couple of weeks later, Luke calls back and it doesn't, the second callings don't come around. Luke called back and said, Hey, listen, Carrie, Fife Scotland may not have been your thing. I know maybe your, your, your girlfriend didn't really think, you know, English, all sure, that sort of sure. stuff. I found a place. It's also a fourth division team in Germany. Okay. Eschweiler. Okay. Uh, it's on the border of, Belgium and Holland, and um, it's the perfect place for you. They can't afford much, but you're you're, you're the guy. Yeah. You will absolutely love it, and you're only allowed two imports. 
So now I'm really excited. I go back to Veronica thinking, Germany, she's going to just say, this is the greatest thing. And that's when I got the ultimatum. Listen, I'm done. You can't do it. We're going to stay. And that's when I had to say to her, listen, I'm going. You're coming or not. Uh, I got to pack my bags. I'm going. So that's how I got to Germany. <clears throat> I arrived there. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like it was, it was going backwards. The rink was a dump. It was my first practice. I had the Gretzky helmet. I got the, the sweater tucked in the back thinking I'm a stud. My other import was a guy named Joseph Chastik. Sure. He was a Polish National League player. Couldn't speak English. Couldn't speak German. I couldn't speak German. I uh, couldn't speak Polish, of course. So he and I down in the dressing room, hey, this is Joseph. This is Gary, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be great. And it's the, the, the dressing rooms were half this size. Right. So you had two different dressing rooms. The coach would come in in one. And we, the only time we'd meet was when we went up the steps. So I come out in the first practice. The place is jammed. It's a small little rink, holds about 2,000 people. And the place is jammed. And now, arrogant as I am, thinking- The entertainer coming come out. to see me. Yeah. And so here I come out. I get on the ice. They're screaming and yelling. All of a sudden, in the practice, we score a goal. They start singing and dancing. You know, the you know in soccer games, yeah, going oh, yeah, left, yeah, yeah, going yeah, yeah, yeah. right, beer drinking, singing, drums, the whole nine yards. So after practice, uh, uh, they're going to have the press conference. I go downstairs to introduce both myself and Joseph. I go downstairs and I look at uh, Luke, who's the agent. I said, Luke, wow, is that for me? <laughs> Don't be so arrogant. Buddy. <laughs> they didn't make they're, up a chance. They're practicing. So what do you mean they're practicing? They're practicing when you guys score goals, they get everybody in unison. So they oh came to the practice. Oh my God. And yeah, maybe a couple came to see who the new Canadian was. So but after the audience, like, like a choir was practicing yeah, getting their chance. It was a practice. That's amazing. They had the drums. Yeah. You know, the, the, the different hymns and all that sort of stuff. So now press conference, get upstairs. It's up at the bars inside the rink jammed cameras and all that sort of stuff. And uh, it's my first real one-on-one -on -one press conference right. in my life. Always because I was never the superstar in any team. I was sure. always kind of with somebody. Were you were you brought in under that pretense yeah. of like, this is the guy oh, yeah. that's going to... Absolutely. It was. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so, but what's really ironic of the story is, is that I'm sitting at the table. Luke's right beside me. The press is all there. They introduced Joseph first. And now they say, and now we have Kerry Goulet. And they're talking in German. And of course, my German was only uh, from Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> Achtung, Schultz, Ein Bier, Bitte. Achtung, I only know because of the U2 album. That's <laughs> exactly. it, that's it. So they're they're going off and yakking and all this German. I hear Kerry Goulet and I hear Calgary Flames and I hear American and I hear American. all these things. Uh, and then I'm looking around and I go to Luke and I said, hang on this. Are they thinking I'm an American? <laughs> Just go along with it, Gooch. <laughs> Not to mention Calgary, Calgary Flames. Flames. Go along with it. I said, but I didn't play in the NHL because you're NHLer. So I get up there and presses, you know, and hey, they're broken English because at that time, it was 88. MTV had just hit okay. and English was really starting to become a predominant language. Sure. So really broken right. English and, you know, a couple of questions come and, uh, you know, did you play in the NHL? And I skirted it. Well, you know, I had a tryout. I didn't say I didn't play. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. the guy said, uh, so what was it like playing for the Calgary Flames? And I said, well, I didn't actually get to play up there. I didn't say no. <laughs> you can't say, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the guy said, uh, and, you know, what is it like to be in Germany as an American? And I looked at Luke and he just 
went like that. And I said, well, I'm just, I'm absolutely honored to be here and I'm looking forward to it. So I go back downstairs. I got the newspaper clipping. Oh it's my God. Ridiculous. Kerry Goulet, the Ameri- the NHL American Play, played for the Calgary Flames is our new superstar. Was there a reason why they didn't want you to say Canadian? I I, I think they just had the wrong guy. And, and even uh, we, we looked, again, you didn't have internet. Don't forget for me to pick Eschweiler, I had to actually, again, remember my schooling. I had to go to a library and find an atlas. And when I was looking through the atlas to find Eschweiler on the map, it was a very small town on the border of Holland and, 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 and um, Belgium. And so while I was looking, I couldn't find it. And that was what's so intriguing to me that I needed to do this because I'm going in someplace I have no clue. Right. So I went to the library, asked them to get me an atlas, and that's how I did it. So that's how I chose it because I couldn't find it on the map. So I didn't want to question anything. I'm here. Who I was, cares? I was literally, as you're talking, I'm like, Michelle Goulet? Like, nope. did they get there? But they know he's Canadian and he didn't play on Calgary. So they just... Picked the wrong name yeah. and, and got the wrong backstory. Listen, Rick, it's it's crazy because, you know, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a journey. And that's why my skates are my passport to the world. Uh, there's so much that I can go on about. But I I, I think what I, I, I just setting the stage for what was going on, that it was just a cluster. It was just all over the map. And Joseph and I came out and it was, I, I, please don't take it in the wrong way. I don't mean this as it was like uh, Gretzky and Curry. We just right, right. clicked off like that. I didn't, he couldn't speak my language. So I throw a puck, he'd score. He was an unbelievable goal scorer. Well, cause they, cause Gretzky and Curry couldn't do what you guys did. Well, it was, it's also fourth division hockey. Don't well, no, I don't think they could do what you guys did. I think, oh, I think that's what you're saying right now. Uh, is I'm that, not is saying that. that. <laughs> and, and, and I, don't let me put words in your mouth. I actually I, got <laughs> tongue-tied when I, I said that over there. And of course, that's where Mr. Isaki came from. Uh, and you'll hear that story in a sec. So he and I just tore it up like ridiculous, you know, eight, nine points a game. Sure. Uh, you know, it's below senior level. Like it's like lowest level, SPHL type level, even though it's pretty good hockey, but there were only two imports. So you played against their other two imports right. and you played 40 minutes a game. Right, right. So if you weren't putting up numbers and you couldn't take a night off because if you didn't score, there's somebody waiting to come and take your job. So it was like a revolving door. You didn't have, my contract was a handshake. I was going to say, yeah. so your your role there was not secure necessarily. It no. wasn't, it was like if you weren't performing, it, you were gone. It was a two week tryout. Basically. Oh, what you yeah. move you uprooted yeah. for a two week tryout. For two reasons. One, they had asked me to sign a year contract and I had said, Listen, I'm twenty seven, I'm leaving a pretty good established thing. Let me come and see if I fit what's there and plus for the team if I fit your team. And like, was was everything back home? Everything was, back home. Was I that did, was that was but was that did you cut ties with nope. it or did you say I'm going for six months or so, yep. I might be back? Well, yeah. Okay. She she didn't like it and and basically uh, it was on hold, as was the owning of the bar. Like right. a, Dick was saying, Okay, Gucci, go and do this and you know, you're gonna come back and we'll figure it all out. Maybe it doesn't work. So I had to I did that for that particular reason. What happens if I did get over and I absolutely hated it? What happens if I got over there and they hated me? Right. Right. So I didn't want to be tied down to something. So that's how it happened. I got in with a family from, uh, I was billeted. Yeah. I didn't have a car. Uh, they were supposed to have all these things. Did, did the family have any, any sons, daughters or anything? Nope. Was it just, it yeah, was just, they had, they had, but nobody in the hockey. I was living in Cologne, which is a 40 minute oh, yeah, drive yeah, yeah. to Eschweiler 
on the uh, Autobahn four. And so it was a whole new experience here. Oh, I'm wow. going 200 kilometers an hour in a car. It was just bizarre. And I didn't have a car. So they were driving me back and forth to practices and games for the first month. And then finally I said, I don't want that. Like, I love them. They, they were, their names were the Grubenstein. I'm still close to the mother and, and, and the kids. We, we lost uh, the father uh, about 10 years ago. And, um, they just helped me. They could speak perfect English. They were from South African, but German. And uh, they really helped me establish myself. And then I got involved with, uh, stayed in a, in Eschweiler at a family's name. Their last names were Vienne and Helmut and Annetta. I've lost Annetta. She was like my second mother. My my uh, Helmut is still alive today. He's my second father. Yeah. He's my surrogate father. I love them dearly. And, and so I got entrenched. I had people take care of me like nobody. I was a rock star. I was right. everybody idolizing me. And uh, thank God it didn't go to my head and we tore the leagues up and and my second year into it my head coach of my second year was Uldrich Rudel who was the son of the most decorated pilot in Hitler's army wow yeah which is bizarre I was gonna say I didn't recognize his name as a hockey player but Ulrich. that makes well Ulrich uh he played Rudel Ulrich played for Krefeld which was a team I ended up playing against sure so he was our coach in the small little town so again my skates just took me to learning everything about Germany and life and culture and going from beer drinker to wines and all that great stuff to that came seems from to it. be because you've mentioned that before that seems to be the biggest obstacle was going from beer to wine yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just eating McDonald's burgers, yeah, which yeah. I ended up uh, getting a gold card from Hans Hanna when I moved up to Timmendorf, uh, a gold card for McDonald's so I could eat anywhere for free, Ooh. which was unbelievable. And you still own that? And, well, you can see by the body. <laughs> this is not COVID-19 body. No, this is COVID-25, and that, those are kilos. Um, so as this all played itself out, uh, I became better known as an entertainer. Yeah, I was putting numbers up, but I would sign everybody's autograph. Sure. Some people thought it was arrogance, but it wasn't. I just, God, you, you paid money to come and watch me play. Sure. I'm going to sign, I'll sign your socks. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. And so I'd signed and spoke to everybody in broken English and stuff. And then two years into it, I, I, I had a, uh, Herr Adler and Herr Daniels, uh, from Timmendorf, which is a, on the Baltic Sea. It was a, just, just for our listener, when you're saying that hair is, is uh, sir or mister. Yeah. Yeah. Mister, yeah, yeah. And in German, it's do and Z. Yeah. So the, the masculine, feminine. And of course, if you know somebody, you use C. Right. And if you don't do, so it, there's a wall around yeah. Germans until you actually yeah, yeah, get yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because I was a hockey player, it was automatically Amazing. in the wall. So Amazing. they allowed me to call them Mr. And, and so Adler, and every time I played against him in our first strand, it was called, uh, uh, I had my best games. And they sent me an offer, uh, a fax, uh, and said, listen, we really like you. We think your personality is unbelievable. We'd love you to come up to Timidor. It was about a six hour drive from where I was playing. Uh, come up on a, on a Monday, Tuesday, come and look at, uh, our facility and see if you'd be interested of changing teams. So I was in, in Eschwater for two years and I got up there and, uh, I'll tell you what, it was a picture of, it was like LA with, uh, in, in the cold. Oh, wow. Baltic Sea. They had an apartment. They were showing me that I would live in. It was unbelievable. Did they, in, in the facts that they sent over to you, did they, did they write your name as 
hair ice and hockey. No, 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 no ice yet. hockey. Yeah, you're loving that. It's not I am, there I'm yet. I'm liking that quite. Yeah. So I went up there, and you know they they wind and dine me just like an NHLer, yeah. I guess. And uh, we went back to the rink. The rink was okay, but you could, very low ceiling. Sat again around 1500, but it was a better rink than Eschweiler. So sure, I, I thought, wow, and they had great fans. We also uh, kind of glossed over this. I'm just realizing this now, but you had mentioned that you know maybe you're only there for six months. This is two years afterwards. Yeah. So what's going on at your at home? Well, we had tore up, uh, obviously, Joseph and I tore up the leagues. Yeah. And we were getting offers all over the place to go to the division up, third yeah. division. So, um, and uh, they offered me a two-year deal there that I had to either make a, a sign. And then I basically wrote uh, a fax. Remember the old fax machine oh, yeah. stuff? Oh, yeah. So I faxed both Dick, who was owner of the bar, with me and uh, Veronica saying, listen, I'm going to stay till the spring and uh, we'll make all our decisions there. Veronica, she came over yeah. and that's when she ended up hating it and went back home. So that was the end of our relationship. And, um, Dick and I, uh, he just took me off the books and I gave back my party, gave me a little bit of money and, and the rest was history oh, in wow. that summer. Yeah. So, um, it gave me an opportunity to, to live my dream, play hockey, and right? Actually have people chant my name, Goulet, Goulet. Oh my God. Nothing. There's not a better drug. Let me tell you. than. Fifteen to two thousand people chanting your name with a bunch of drugs. I couldn't. Drums. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. Nothing better. I mean. I mean. I'm. I'm excited to get into this, and and this is something we've only done once before on the podcast, uh, because I. You have a whole playing career ahead of you at this yeah. point, and I still want to touch <laughs> on the on on all the charitable work you've done post career. Yeah. Um, getting this 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 uh, flair and this understanding of how you got to where you're going is almost a great precursor yeah. to that. So what I'm going to recommend is that we we. Cut the episode now and we make this a two-parter because I want to start the next episode out with some more information on your playing career in Germany and then we can spend a lot of time focusing on all the other uh, charitable causes that you've, you've, you've championed over the years. Does that work for you? I'm honored. Perfect. Thank you. I would love to have you on. So, so we're going to, we're going to cut now. That's right. Uh, Check in next week. Obviously, we're going to have the end to this story. Uh, hopefully, you you got all your understanding of where we got to where we are. Like I said, the Mister Miyagi training prior to the the storm of of career that you've you've uh, put out for yourself moving past this. So, thank you for listening to this week. A little bit unorthodox, but I I think it warrants it because I I've been engaged this whole time, and hopefully, you as a listener have as well. Uh, Kerry Goulet. In the meantime, uh, is there anything that you want to shout out? You want things uh, people to to check out? We could touch on that in the later episode. Yeah. But where do you want to send people to well, find out more about? you obviously uh this saturday night january 29th i'm doing take the jersey off my back so you literally can take this jersey off my back and this jersey it was actually worn by uh wayne gretzky in australia for the team Ca- team goulet versus team gretzky i know we'll touch part about it on for the, the for next the, the listener you could see it on youtube if you're not watching on youtube carrie is wearing a jersey it's from the ice hockey classic of 2016 yes. so just just to provide some context there and i've got 150 jerseys collected around my own career uh and i'll tell you the whole story how that all came about but please it's all in support of helping athletes that are suffering from concussions and mental health and just because it's a pandemic doesn't mean they're not suffering absolutely so and we where, do they, where do they find us they can go to stopconcussions.com uh slash shop and when you go there it opens up and it's an auction that starts on the 29th and i'll be hosting my own show uh from the bottom line that day a one-hour show where guys like brent burns will come in and say hello and amazing not not physically uh and we're 
we're going to be telling everybody about all these great jerseys. They start at 25 bucks. They're sitting in eight bags of hockey bags downstairs in my basement. So Amazing. 25 bucks for our charity. I'll send you one of the jerseys. And of course, it'll all go up. And I know you guys have donated a, a uh, Mitch Marner jersey. And so they'll go all the way up to the Gretzky, the Crosby, the McDavid's got them all. And where where can they watch that live? Is it going to be on YouTube or, or Facebook, on Facebook, Gooch Live. Just check out anything. Just go to Gooch Live. Google or, Gooch Live. Yeah, yeah, or at Gooch Live. And it will all be there for you yeah. to pop on. And That's of course- G-O-U-C-H-E live, in case you didn't know. Exactly. <laughs> and also you can go uh, more conventionally- Goulet live uh, and at Goulet and it will get you there too. So a lot of ways to get to see me. Perfect. So when you join us next week, you'll have already had some context for that show. We're going to be pretending as though it's after that, but we're going to cut now and we're going to come back and record the second half of this, which is going to be launching next week, same time, same it's place. It's a two-week auction, so we'll be there to there you actually go. give it the little last there push. There you go. We're, we're putting some uh, a little last push in there, all for a fantastic cause. So check that out. Come back, join us next week, and then you can finalize it all if you've got some bids and see where it lands. That's Perfect. Fantastic. So thank you so much, Kerry Goulet, for joining us. Uh, in For the absentee, Brian Aaron with President of Frame with Sports Marketing and myself. Mikey Aaronworth, host of the Sign Off Podcast. This is us signing off. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at, at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadu Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!